this is an episode of G.I. Joburg. I've lost count. It doesn't matter. My name is Steve. I'm in Australia. It's 2 a.m. Who else is here? Uh, here comes a new challenger. <laughs> Paul? Cujo on the West Coast. Still here, brother. How's it going? Uh, we're all still standing. Guys, uh, Rob is still with us. Don't you worry. He sends his apologies. He's a bit bent out of shape this week because uh, he's going cold turkey. Thanks to the lockdown procedures of South Africa, uh, there are no cigarettes to be had. And Rob did enjoy the good old puff puff. Uh, so unfortunately, he's <laughs> going through some nicotine withdrawals. But he sends his regards and he'll be hopefully fighting fit and breathing clean air for the first time in a long time next week. Yeah, and uh, also a happy Easter. Oh yeah, uh, that old chestnut. Happy yeah. Easter to everyone who observes it, and Passover to everyone who observes that. Did you get some Easter eggs today, Paulie? I did, I did. I got some, you know, the chocolate marshmallow kind? And little lint ones, like the tiny, whiny little lint ones. Other than that, yeah, that was my Easter egg haul, which is cool, because that's more than uh, I usually do for Easter anyway, so yeah. Kujo, did the Easter bunny swing past your long beach abode? Unless they're passing out English muffins, No. But I did have a decent breakfast and some hot tea, and I would like to raise a glass to a bunch of badasses known as the G.I. Joe community. I was on uh, HCC's live stream, and that was a hoot. Uh, I would enjoy uh, doing uh, that sort of thing in the future. But I just want to, uh, yeah, there's a lot of G.I. Joe creators doing cool things right now. I'll get into it. But Hoodie did ask me a question, and I'm not going to chew on the microphone too long. But if you're sitting out there, if you're driving out there, if you're laying down, whatever you're doing, I think there was a tweet that that had somebody's son. Is it Caesar Moose's son listens to G.I. Joburg? Did you guys catch that? Oh, yeah. Little Alex. Yeah. He drew me a cool Crimson God. Actually, yeah. not so little Alexander. I mean, he's, he's, he's sprouted up, man. He's a big boy now. And that's probably our biggest tweet. Thank you, Caesar. Uh, <laughs> Caesar Moose. Uh, but I just would like to say, if you're a son, if you're a father out there, your dad's one of the smartest people in the world because he turned up here. G.I. <laughs> Joe is not going away, guys. Uh, you're only getting stronger because you've been reading about this kind of stuff your whole life. You knew about Airtight. You knew about that. So stay up, and uh, I think the Joe community is going to be doing some cool stuff, but uh, we're still reading the room, right? Uh, you're still in Australia, aren't you, brother? I am. Nothing much has changed with me. I went down to the ocean today to get some perspective Went for a swim, saw a eagle swoop down and catch a, a fish, and then get harassed by a seagull uh, as it made its getaway. But of course, I mean, there's no ways that seagull could outpace an eagle, who was probably heading back to the nest to feed her chicks. Uh, and it was just, yeah, you know what? You see a sight like that and you know, the world's going to be just fine. Sans us, it seems. <laughs> it's society that's going to have a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things are going to change, but ultimately for the better, ultimately. We just need to get over the shock of the change and saying goodbye to some of our old ways of life. But, Kuj, dude, you are one dark horse because I check my podcast news feed and who is pushing the black book but none other than our friends at What's On Joe Mind. It was a very enjoyable seven minutes. I mm, think Rob cool. is very, very objective and very matter-of-fact and gave such a clear insight into 
this thing called the Black Book. And I know you like to play the Mystery Man card perhaps a little bit too hard. <laughs> but it was wonderful to see, or to hear, I should say, uh, you know, another G.I. Joe podcast showing love and treating your work with such respect and with such uh, uh, venerance. Ven- venerance? Yeah. Ven- ven- mm. Venerable? <laughs> Veneration. Mm. Whatever. Sometimes I'm too smart for my own good. Paul, you got to mention that in there as well, I hope you know. Paul Lutzer oh, cool. from South Africa. I hope I'm getting the name right. Or however <laughs> Rob from What's on Joe Mind speaks. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. I have not met Rob, but thank you, brother. Um, Yeah, the Black Book is, is definitely a collaboration. Those pages don't pop without Paul. So, I mean, that was a lot of P words, actually. I got crayons. The, the thing that makes the, the Black Book what it is is so many different flavors, your mind is constantly playing catch-up to what is not only happening on the page, but, like, well, what's what, what are these people doing? And, that, and that's maybe its biggest strength. So He spoke yeah. very nicely about your layouts. Very mm-hmm. dynamic yeah. stuff, very unconventional at times. But, I mean, why adhere to the mold? Why not step out of it? I mean, it's... It, it was a very, very, very glowing review from someone who I've never had the privilege of meeting either. But nice to hear mad props being thrown your way, dude, and, and well-deserved, too. Well, I did. I will shed a little bit of light on my kind of paneling. I do love seeing other people do blowouts and, like, uh, spreads and stuff where they go across two pages. But I wanted to treat oh, yeah. it like uh, almost like an ancient document. Like uh, I've spent a lot of time in old churches, and I wanted each picture to convey a story like it's a stained glass window. You know, It's something that was preserved. You may not have the whole story right now, but you have this picture, and it tells a whole story within it. You know? Yeah, I know what you mean. You got you that mean. out of me, Rob. <laughs> you did it, buddy. Thank you. No, that's great, dude. I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that. I must get back into the world of the living and actually start following up on these damn things. Like, I only got to check out a bit of other stuff or a bit of content in the last week or so. I've, I'm, I'm actually about to, uh, this coming week, I'm about to start my listen to Stephen's uh, What's on Your Mind, not What's on Your Mind, Talking Joe run, uh, which is quite exciting. So, Steve, <laughs> you're going to be filling my ear hole for the next, like, I think there's four or five episodes that you're on now. Heaven <laughs> so. help you, brother. Hmm. Mm. Look, Chief is charismatic as hell. I, uh, I, I'm i trying to do do my best to fill in for Diagnostic 80, who, of course, is a font of knowledge when it comes to G.I. <laughs> Joe, toy, media, conventions. I mean, the guy has lived, eat, slept, breathed G.I. Joe for as long as I can remember. So I, you know, I I do my best to ape his style, but ah, man, whatever. Let me not be so self-deprecating, but like I just listen back to those episodes and I'm like, shut up, Stephen, shut up. <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, if you listen to your voice too much, it can drive you insane a little bit. You mean Stephen's voice or your own? <laughs> I, I, well, anybody that t- talks into something and then ends up watching their own stuff, um, or listening yeah, to it. No, I think uh, I think everybody, each each person has brought something different out of Chief along the way. So it's a pretty cool diary journey. And I raise a glass to you, brother. Nice run. Um, I'm enjoying it. Cheers. 
Well, I've said it on this podcast once and I've said it a thousand times. There's only been one uh, non-paid-for podcast release out there which has covered all 155 issues of the original Marvel comic and has now gone on to the further stuff. I mean, Talking Joe has broken ground in that regard. The very first podcast on the topic of G.I. Joe that I've ever recalled subscribing and listening to was G.I. Joe Review. Some people listening to this, a very select few, might remember good old Chris, Matt, and Chad, who used to host this show called G.I. Joe Review, which set out to, in sort of three-issue sort of bites, take on and review the entire Marvel 155 issues and special missions. They never completed that task. So for Talking Joe to have done it, and done it in such efficiency, with no real breaks in production, it really is actually quite a milestone. And I think, you know, I, 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 I give it props all the time, even before I was a member with a vested interest in the podcast. But uh, mm. I, th- I think there's a, a lot to be said for guys who kind of set out a goal, stuck to it, and just put it out there, man. So I'm urging anyone listening to this to maybe give that a listen. And I'm not talking about my stuff. I'm saying, like, listen from the beginning. Such great chemistry. Because you start out with Chief, our wonderful host, who solicits his friend, Ben, to be his co-host. So for the first uh, 35 or so sessions, you've got this great chemistry of, like, lifelong childhood buddies who actually have memories of playing G.I. Joe together, much like Rob and myself. And then you've got Mr. Chris McCloud, who we all know him as, like, the cutting edge of every G.I. Joe news burst there is. You know, if it has anything to do with G.I. Joe, or even, like, six degrees of separation of G.I. Joe, like, if it's a Hasbro product, or a Hasbro film, or an IDW comic, or a Marvel comic, or a Marvel production... Chances are he's done a news burst on it. And then, to fill the gap, comes little old me. (laughs) It was kind of on a whim, and I've told this story before, but in very brief terms, Chief put out an announcement on the Talking Joe socials that, unfortunately, due to work commitments, Chris cannot come back into the fold. So, for the next little while, Talking Joe has to go away. (laughs) In the comment thread to that announcement, I said, Hey, Chief. I'll be your co-host. I'll even edit for free. Um, several hours later, he jumped on it. And then several hours after that, we recorded our first episode. And we've been doing it ever since. Wahoo. Magic. My favorite line from D80 is, I'd like to thank my co-host, myself. <laughs> my amazing co-host. Um, <laughs> well, you know, if you guys didn't show up tonight, I was thinking of soloing it. Just like... Mm. Uh-oh. I'd like to thank my amazing Stephen co-host, myself. So. <laughs> yeah, Classic. Man. Well, dude, Very self-isolation, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of crept in everywhere, even where it shouldn't be. I mean, the meme has done the rounds where we were asked to imagine a time before the internet. If this had happened like 18 years ago, and all we had was dial-up modems... And like a Nokia 3310 with like, you know, maybe 120 SMSs a month and 100 talk time minutes. And that's it. 
Wow. Anybody get any new shit? Uh, (laughs) How does the post get to me, man? It's infected. Uh, I've got new shit, but it hasn't arrived yet. So, I mean, in in the strictest sense of the word, no, I do not have new shit. But uh, why? Did you get new shit, Cujo? (laughs) No, yeah, I'm suffering the same fate as uh, Steven, oddly enough. I I ordered this Galaxy Nightlight. It's supposed to project the entire uh, star system on your ceiling. And, like, there's different settings, so, of course, I was going to play with that with different videos, but hasn't gone here yet, so I await. Crazy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, okay, since you burst the seal, bro, I got, um, because I need an unmasked head for my Shockwave, my all-time favorite figure, I finally caved and bought a DEF figure. <laughs> so, DEF Shockwave in his bucket-headed glory, will be winging its way to me, uh, hopefully within the next couple of months. <laughs> and I'm sure shortly after hearing this, J.D. Onisi is going to send you the Welcome to the DFF Appreciation Fan Club email. Or D.E.F. <laughs> oh, poorly. Didn't I say D.E.F.? Maybe. JD. I'll check it in the tapes. Uh, yeah. I got, I got a, a classic ferret. My first G.I. Joe vehicle was the Tiger Paw. But you can't beat an original, right? So, uh, S-Jubs, Jubba Man, Jubba Nort scores his first uh, classic ferret. Yeah. For uh, <laughs> Storm Shadow and Firefly buddy-buddy riding action. There it <laughs> is. <My> shotgun. <laughs> oh. Oh, Wait, who's on, the, uh, who's on the packaging for the, the Tiger Paw, which is actually Dust- a really endearing name? Dusty's up front and Lifeline is holding onto his shoulders. Hey, Lifeline, if both your hands are on my shoulders, what's poking me in the back? That's my nine. My stethoscope. (laughs) (laughs) Not his nine mil. Okay. But you don't carry a nine mil. (laughs) Guys, YouTube controversy. So, Glenn Peak, father of the the four Peak boys, shoutouts to Glenn, he released an awesome webisode episode two weeks ago. Uh, It was the sequel to the coils of cobra Cobra part two yes and in it we see lifeline depicted carrying a pistol someone called him out in the comments and lifeline is depicted as being a pacifist in the marvel comic he's also depicted as being a pacifist in the sunbow cartoon but the figure included a pistol he's depicted carrying said pistol on his card art and nothing mm-hmm. in his file card says anything about being a pacifist. So, this bit of contention that I caught on YouTube was on the Blazing Sand Part 5 video. Guy called... Uh, let me not name him. <laughs> if you're interested, listener, you can check out the comments thread on the Blazing Sand Part 5 video. But anyways, the guy was like, he can't take out a bat with... I'm not giving him an American accent. You can't take out a bat with just hand weapons. You need at least grenades. Really bad take on those amateurs. Uh, okay. Um, but Deus Ex Machina states that uh, we can do anything because it's our story. <laughs> so uh, we can kill a bat with a pea shooter if we want to. We could shoot it into its guts and then it shorts out its circuits and it can pass out and die from that. Hmm. I don't have to. We don't have to explain it. It's just you know, 
there's sun but uh, this is of course set in the same world where you know there's giant vegetables you know <laughs> and um you no, know it's not massive what are you talking about <laughs> anyways no, man, it's from I, I responded you know? to this guy so. i was like okay i'll bite what are you basing this on because in their debut episode, the bats were taken out by an angry drill sergeant armed with nothing but his fists and a baton. Yeah, there you go. That's There we go. Sunbow logic. It's awesome. <laughs> On the opposite end of the spectrum, I think Devil's Due did stories about very hardy sort of super bats. There was one in yes. particular that had a very advanced AI. And they were plugging bullets at that thing, grenades at that thing. It wouldn't go down. It had a myriad of like hidden weapon systems that would just like kind of pop out um, and and overwhelm the Joes. I think Heavy Duty got shot up pretty bad. The Dreadnoughts got shot up pretty bad by this thing. So depending on what you're focusing on, the bats have a very kind of liquid uh, or flexible um level of of toughness yeah true i must say i'm more of the opinion that they are walking machine guns and so concentrated yeah. fire will tear them to pieces uh whether you're and, and and typically if you're loading a kind of a more armor piercing round but like concentrated and automatic fire will bring these guys down um they their tactic however is just kind of swarming you with with weight of numbers and the fact that they are fearless troops they are the kind of yeah. kind of troops that will just spring out of foxholes and run you down um that is their advantage i would not call battle android troopers uh the sort of gods of the battlefield they're not invulnerable um so this commenter unfortunately didn't respond to me from then onwards so i guess by default, he loses the debate uh, via capitulation. But he did call me an amateur, so I had to turn the knife slightly uh, and <laughs> mention it on record. Ben Grogan. <clears throat> and that's all I have to say about that. So I mean, we could also pull out some further evidence. I mean, there's new evidence. Uh, the, the app, the, the G.I. Joe vs. Cobra app game. Uh, Cobras get bats as their first sort of infantry troopers and those things are basically toilet paper with machine guns so like whatever's so we got that um and if they were really really great cobra would replace cobra officers with bats and just have bats running around but there's clearly some kind of um issue with their assembly you know some are probably more armored than others some are probably running better software than others. So whatever, it's Deus Ex Machina. We we can we can control the uh, the narrative. It's you know. And actually, I have an in-universe explanation for why bats have a rather feeble glass panel up front, but I didn't get to mm. use it in Atlantis Factor Five, so I'm going to keep it close to the chest and leave it for a future episode. Nice. Yes. Nice. I always invite debate. It's uh, upsetting to me when people just, you know, run over. Well, they just they just don't want to don't want to put up a fight. Come on, man. It's perfect fodder for a live stream, Stephen. It's unavoidable. <laughs> well, guys, well, I mean, somebody mentioned lockdown, and somebody else mentioned, well, Kujo, you mentioned uh, new stuff, and I was thinking, well, 
what if you guys like what have been your favorite joe toys during lockdown i mean do you guys have a list or have you have you even like thought about your gi joe toys during lockdown steve i know you have surely but um for the rest of us kujo me <laughs> yeah i think like many uh i'm starting to pop a couple like uh blister packs along the way just because uh oh, oh, wow. you're looking at toys and you're like nope it's time to it's time to take a picture of this guy you know I think I'm inspired by all the the Joe photographers, Dragon Fortress. Cheers. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm I'm definitely. Who did I open most recently? It's probably mostly Star Wars, unfortunately, but there are a couple of Joes that'll come out in a bit. Yeah, I've had a bit of a, a funny one um, because I haven't really like I've just been like busy, so I haven't had a, t- a chance to actually sit down and, and have anything in the in the form of like fun, so to speak, but. I have been bringing lots of G.I. Joes to the study, uh, to where I work, just to, you know, just, it's just good, to, it's cool to have them with me. I, I don't have a better explanation than that. I just like having my little Joes with me every now and then. And, um, I'm also, you know, as it would, you know, with a case like lockdown, you know, buying O-rings, that's not an essential purchase. So I can't get new O-rings until like this lockdown is over. And a lot of my, my Joes, um, O-rings have like decided to just, disintegrate so i've actually got two half gi joes um it's kind of infecting my whole um vintage cabinet there's just half joes everywhere (laughs) so the guys that are surviving i've been keeping with me quite a bit because i recently got the gear for low light as i mentioned last time uh, we were in an episode and i've had low light with me quite a bit um i've also had quick kick with me who, who has been a staple uh for a long time been really enjoying quick kick and I recently got a, a Serpentor. I'm really, really loving Serpentor. He's great. Uh, he's, I, I, I don't know why people hate this toy or what people's problems with Serpentor are, but I dig it. I think it's a great toy. And somewhere uh, in the last three weeks, I did actually manage to sit and watch G.I. Joe the movie again, the animated one, because uh, I wanted to introduce it to Celia and you know, see what she thinks. I have a quick fire and, real quick. Oh, yeah, damn. If you have to put a firearm in Serpentor's hand, what feels right to you? Go, Steven. Ooh. I think something brutal in close quarters. Uh, sword or shotgun. Okay, okay. <laughs> Paul. Um, I feel that he needs something, like, ornate. Uh, so I actually think one of the coolest weapons that would look good in his hands is maybe something like Shipwreck's gun. That, uh, which is also that pistoli or whatever it's called, Percussion which is pistol. also pretty much a shotgun. Yeah. A blunderbuss. You guys both went um, with short range, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Because nobody gets close to Serpentor. Well, m- mine's a little bit more practical, <laughs> you know, uh, break action reload. Mm. I-, I could see like a gold plated desert eagle, but I could also see a Luger, you know? Okay. Hi- yeah. Mm. You were about to chat about your lady. Oh, yeah, no, I was just saying, yeah, I introduced uh, the movie to Celia, and it's not like we have a new G.I. Joe fan or anything here, folks, but she didn't hate it, so that was cool. <laughs> that was, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, she actually, I actually asked, like, listen, are you cool with this? Uh, should we kill it, or would you like to watch something else? Are you good with this? And she's like, no, I'm actually good with this. I want to see it through to the end. So I was like, cool, okay. So that this was, was nice. the 87th work? Yes, yeah, the the movie. And then it, it got me digging out... Um, all my 87 Joes and going through all of them because they were in the movie. And that that was like some of the real fun I had with, with G.I. Joe, this lockdown. So while I was watching that movie, 
I was pulling down as many 87 Joes that I had that were still like intact. Uh, sadly, Tunnel Rat wasn't one of them. He's two half Tunnel Rats at the moment. But I did have um, Red Dog and Mercer and Taurus and Spentor uh, without Tunnel Rat. I even brought Old Low Light back from the study. It was great. Yeah, it was it was just cool to check out all those toys again and, and have some fun with them. Uh, you know, now that we're in lockdown... I've been pulling down some of my vehicles, really happy with the fact that I got a lot of the, the vehicles that are in the movie. I'm really feeling um, a Havoc-sized gap in my collection at the moment, which is weird. But yeah, because that was something that Celia commented on when we were watching the film. She was like, oh, that's a pretty cool vehicle with the, the little jet that comes out the back. And I was like, yeah, it actually is. It's a really cool toy. It's actually a cooler toy than it is a cool vehicle, if that makes sense. Maybe I'll sell so, you yeah. mine, man. Because I got one coming to me eventually. <laughs> Have you got buyer's remorse? <laughs> yeah, I do, unfortunately. Because uh, I'd kind of much rather have an Action Force Havoc. To my mind, that is always going to be more of an Action Force vehicle than a G.I. Joe vehicle. I've just got such a strong UK, uh, I suppose, impression of that vehicle. That and the fact that the red points are better than the orange ones. But I, I don't know. That's 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 personal personal taste. Cooch, did you ever have a Havoc growing up? I did, and you had me thinking about it for a second. Okay. Like, it, the vehicle is broken by that cross-country seat, but no more broken <laughs> than the stun. So, I mean, I They were perfect you. opposite numbers then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the stun, what the hell? Um, it's a cool toy, not a cool vehicle. The stun is validated by the rear gunner seat. Whether it's like the snow speeder or the stun, the rear gunner seat is such an interesting place. But um, <laughs> that lone snow serpent zot zot zotting his uh, pursuing GI Joes in the movie. I love that. Don't you mm. love that? I do love that. I agree. There's something about a rear gunner, and I, I love, don't like the I love the fact the green that. Oh yeah. On the havoc, I'm with you, Stephen. No, I'm I'm actually more partial towards the orange. I prefer that over the red. Um, okay, well, this ironically, could work out famously. I'll give you a, a, a quote. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, that'll be great, dude. I'd actually be very keen because here's the thing. Um, Celia mentioned the Havoc, uh, and I put a spotlight on it. And when we were at JoeCon, I also kind of I wanted to get one, but I just didn't have space to bring one back. Uh, Steve, you and I sort of briefly chatted about this uh, earlier, and... Um, yeah, I just, I, I can't, I re- I did want one. It's not like, oh my word, I have to, I can't leave without one. But I was just kind of sad that I left without one. Because I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop playing with Rob's Havoc. Because Rob, Rob got a, a, a Havoc uh, while we were at Jocon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't leave that thing alone. It's such a cool toy. And it has, ju- it just has such a charm to it. There's something about it. It still straddles, it still straddles that fine line between like realism and sci-fi. But it's got a lot of, as far as the toy is concerned, a lot of realistic elements that really make it sing. Uh, I also feel that, yes, technically the Havoc is actually an Action Force vehicle for me, because the first time I really encountered it was in Action Force, the movie. <laughs> uh, for those of you that watched the British version of the G.I. Joe animated movie when you were children, I was one of them. Um, but I do, I actually do prefer, prefer orange and green to red and green. Red and green is always strikes me as uh, Christmas. But yeah, man, if, uh, if that's really how you feel, please send me a quote. I'd love to know how much um, 
how much you would like to flog it off to me for <laughs> can make a plan. Yeah, I don't know. I... Is that with or without vehicle driver? I just want to just... <laughs> they, never, they never include them. I mean, look, they always jack up the price of the, the auction considerably if it includes cross-country, which is a pity because mm. cross-country is a very inexpensive figure to source separately, but it's still a ball yeah. egg to source them separately. Anyway, whatever. Guys... I mean, Paul, you, you mentioned it earlier. Let's play with our toys. Let's, shall we? I have very few toys here with me, but what I do have needs some kind of plot line for it. Do you boys have a pen and paper handy? Because you might need to jot this I down. I do. Uh, wait. I'm going to go straight from memory. Ooh, the artiste. Putting his memory to the test. On the Joe side of the fence, we have... Dusty, version 1. Shockwave, version 1. Hit and Run, version 1. And you could count them as a Joe if you really want to. I don't know if I do. Mercer, version 2. Ah, cool. The one I need. And those boys are rolling in the Desert Fox. In the Desert Fox. (laughs) Paul is jotting this down. On the Cobra side of things, Hydro Viper, Snow Serpent, Worms, and the kind of equipment they're packing is the motorized action pack, sorry, the motorized vehicle pack helicopter, the motorized vehicle pack rocket sled, and the maggot. Ooh. Then we have a third party, Voltar. And a pair of iron grenadiers. Oh, wow. Does he have the buzzard? Yes. All right. They have all their gear. Uzi, laser pistol, sabers, buzzard, communications backpack. Oh, the Joes have one additional surprise piece of equipment. Motorized action pack scuba pack. Oh, cool. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Spin me a plot, guys. Oh, we're setting it in the 80s? Uh, can do. Definitely. Okay, cool. So then no internet. Um, uh, oil lines it is. Okay, oil. Do you want to build off each other's scenario, Paul? Uh, yeah, I'm just busy uh, putting people in vehicles and trying to find um, some, like, sort of plot points and why Grenadiers would be with a Hydro Viper and a Snow Serpent and a Worms. So, yeah, um... Cool. I have so, a good jump uh, off. Okay, you go for it. I've got an idea, and then we'll just see how we can mesh them together. <laughs> Steve, you also have to contribute your wit and or... Actually, Boys, that's all I got. Let's see. Establishing shot is a glass of water with a hydro viper sitting in it. Kind of like you might see the tyrant in Resident Evil. He's, he's being worked on. In that room, you have some Cobra official-type, science-type people. Steven, who are they? Oh, man, Cooge. I wanted to try and keep it uh, small focus. It's got to be the mm-hmm. <laughs> the guys in the, um, the cast list. I mean, all we got is Worms and Voltar. Worms Okay. Those guys look science-y. Yeah, I agree. I've always thought, like, and, and I've said this on, on record as well, that, like, Worms looks a lot more important than his file card would lead you to believe. Mm-hmm. 
This particular uh, Worms was involved in the Cobra Civil War. He was there on the attack of the freighter. He survived. So, the Worms, a snow serpent, uh, Worms and the snow serpent have been escorted or are led by Voltar, who is also joined by two Iron Grenadiers to go and extract a, a, a top secret uh, acid from an abandoned Cobra base. Uh, hidden in sort of some crazy icy mountain range. This is where my G.I. Joe geography knowledge falls to shit. Um, but anyway, so they're there and um, they stumble upon the Hydra Viper, uh, you know, a Hydra Viper that's stuck in a tank like um, like a tyrant. Um, but they're actually looking for something else. And that thing is a specialized weapon that they designed a long time ago and used plenty of times. Uh, but this one was a prototype that Destro himself was personally working on uh, that had an explosive component to it and that is a prototype rocket sled aka the motorized rocket sled if anybody's not sure what, which one we're talking about and I mean we all know Volta is like the best one to ride that thing <laughs> but um, to ride it out and uh, so yeah so they're searching for this thing to try and, to try and get their hands on it and uh, eventually they find it and eventually they pull it all out and then also decide uh, well get orders to also exfiltrate that Hydra Viper because uh, he's also got some crazy ass juice in him that makes him a little bit more scary than the rest of them this of course sends shivers down the spine of the snow serpent um, let's establish the scene it's desert but there's snow you dig it hmm yeah so we're talking like um uh, the Hindu Kush mountain range in Afghanistan. Perhaps. That sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. So snow-capped mountains with a desert floor be- beneath. It's chilly, guys. Mm-hmm. I like that. Nice. And, okay, and then the thing, uh, that is because it's an old top-secret base that has been destroyed, or has been assaulted, it is on G.I. Joe's watch list. So, one of their signals goes off one of their like you know something cobra spotted signals goes off or one of the security measures they put in place yeah like a satellite or something that's just tracking hotspots cobra hotspots that they've accumulated after the lo- uh, last few years goes off so the closest guys in range are anybody possibly the here? hydro viper signature steven who's with you well if we're moving through a desert terrain in the desert fox who better than Dusty to have in your back pocket? He's also a linguist, and if we are in real-world locales like Afghanistan, I'm sure Dusty's command of Middle Eastern languages is going to be very, very useful. But riding with him, he's got, what would you call it, intervention specialist shockwave. The first man through the door, the youngest uh, member of his Detroit SWAT team, and half decent tenor when his voice is in shape. <laughs> Shockwave <laughs> on the cannon. And then right in the caboose of the Desert Fox, we got the quickest, slickest, sneakiest infantryman out there. The guy doesn't say much, but he is deadly as all hell. It's hit and run. That gun. Mm, it's tasty. That gun. that gun, that thousand yard stare. Yeah, man. Hit and run is. A scary dude when he needs to be, but if you got him on your side, 
you're a little bit more confident than than you would without him. I like Shockwave. So, He's got that ski mask. It's gonna be chilly. The cool thing about these guys is they're all kind of obscured. Whether it's camo paints or balaclava, these are the, these are the Joes whose identities are still somewhat mysterious. They don't go around leading with the face. They're the unsung heroes. I mean, Tiger Force version aside, Dusty of that era was pretty unseen. You know, didn't have much face time. His face sculpt seems deliberately kind of like almost amorphous. Like it's not particularly sharp, chiseled, distinctive. Of course, Sunbow went and yeah. changed that by making him very kind of plain as day, visible and, and personable. But Dusty, Shockwave, Hit and Run, in my mind, when I'm looking at those action figures, they feel very, like, reclusive. Hmm. There's a mystique to them. You do get to know Dusty in the Black Book, but I'll say this. Round one fight. You turn up and you catch Cobra with their pants down. They're trying to move the vehicles. People are kind of confused. And here comes the Desert Fox. What, what happens next, Paul? Uh, what happens is on the cool little computer system on on the Desert Fox, they got this uh, intel that, okay, they, they've got to move in on this, this uh, Cobra activity that's been spotted. And um, they decide to make a beeline for that base. They don't get to engage anything yet because they see a lone maggot that's been parked outside this this crazy base. So shock, both Shockwave and Hit and Run uh, sort of opt for an ambush, a sort of an ambush approach. Uh, you know, waiting for the the cobras inside to come out. Good it thing sounds- too, because any cobras inside and the maggots on patrol duty would have seen the dust kicked up by the desert fox for miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're lucky they caught a break. What do you got? The FAMAS with the, the kickstand on a ridge looking down at the maggot? Where do you got hit and run? What's his approach? Fortunately, this is a mountainous terrain, and that is hit and run's speciality. He's setting up a flanking action. He's going to go for mm-hmm. a little bit of a hike and then come down on the sheer face. They thought it was crazy for anyone to attempt it. Good thing hit and runs. That's nuts. It is. Nobody's going to do that. <laughs> but the guy's got big cojones, man. Balls the size of oranges. He lucky I know some <laughs> girls that love to taste of orange juice. He's been living to die <laughs> since he was a kid. Yeah, Shockwave is dealing with a little bit of heat exhaustion because he's not really used to the terrain. And so he's sticking close to Dusty. Uh, in this case, because Dusty is the best guy to to take him through, not because Shockwave is like a, a, like a panty waist or anything like that. He's not he's not like a light guy. He's just um it's just more efficient to keep your slowest member with you. Um, so they they hold up. They've covered up the the Desert Fox just in case because they Dusty's first like instinct was oh no if there's Cobra stuff here there's got to be some kind of Cobra Air Patrol or something, so we better like cover up the the desert fox. So they do that, and then they hunker down, which brings us to our cobras. Don't forget yourself. You got a maggot on your shelf. Take a look at that thing. One shot from that, I you don't. don't know if somebody's in the seat there. They they could be spying you with the cannon that far away. That is true. It's artillery. Does anybody have a long scope in our group? I'd like to think Dusty keeps one that he can mount on his FAMAS mm. uh, in his backpack. I like mm. that. Yeah, That's just mounted on that top rail system. 
Well, they're not, they're now starting to uh, stick their heads out of the old bunker. You, you see, uh, you see, Voltar's not coming out first. It, it looks like the Snow Serpent peeks out. What's what's the move here, guys? Well, if we blow our cover and take pot shots at the Snow Serpent too early, the Cobras are just going to dig in, and they'd probably have numbers on us. So. I don't think it's a good idea to go in guns blazing just yet. Perhaps we just wait and see what develops. Well, the MAGA is vulnerable from, from altitude, so if we let them pull into that, that ravine with the shadow, Shockwave can be down there with his dark camo. We got Hit and Run who will hit him from top. And then we got Dusty who can pick people off as they kind of scatter. What do you think? Are we trying to get a high-value target in the bag, so to speak? Or is it uh, a case of shoot first and ask questions much, much later? I don't know. We got any hotheads in the group? No, I think these guys are pretty mellow. What do you say, Paul? I'd say Shockwave just being a little bit hot might want to have action go down. But other than that, I don't think we got any major hotheads. We just got one guy that's just a little bit impaired by the by the circumstances around him. I don't know, Paul. I'm going to dispute that. Take a look at Shockwave's okay. card arts, man. He has a very passive posture. It's very like... Very calm, very cat-like in its movements. He's not hes not throwing down and going full auto at the door. You know, he's kind of no, reaching true. out. He's walking softly, you know. He, he's landing with soft feet, basically. I just think inside, he's like not trusting himself to be able to run in and run out kind of thing. So I think they're definitely waiting to hear from Hit and Run uh, to see if there's any intel. Dusty advises them to hold back because there is minimal cover. And if they had to have any kind of engagement, um, then they need to make sure that whatever they, they shoot for, they hit. Uh, because that maggot is going to become a problem, and they don't know how many guys are in there. Curveball. Hit and run gets spotted by an iron grenadier on a Cobra motorized vehicle helipack. Uh-oh. And this IG is definitely of the shoot first and ask questions later mindset. Slaps a magazine into his Uzi and rattles off fire at Hit and Run. Hit and Run's darting left and right, trying to take some desperate cover as the helicopter zooms over his head. The IG, who'd emptied his magazine, slaps in a fresh one, pulls the bolt back, and he's coming in for the kill. What does Hit and Run do, Cujo? Well, I, I'm assuming he's kind of on cliff face holding onto that rope, am I right? I was thinking he was at the top of the ascent. Yeah, he was about to make his descent into the valley. But yeah, okay, okay. He, can be, he can be dangling off the edge. Damn, he's a meat on a hook. What's he going to do, man? He's going to release that slack. You're in free fall, jerk. Damn, your whole body tightens up. You're going to be sore for weeks. He's, he starts kicking across that cliff face. The helicopter is adjusting. The IG, he's seen it all. Just in that moment, he feels something like a bee sting, and, and it's the FOMAS. It, it takes out the rotor shot. He, he's he's going into the sand. He's, he's out of the picture for now. Oh, I thought we could have taken him out in more G.I. Joe fashion. <laughs> the snow serpent gets an eyeful of Dusty's position, hops in the maggot, and uses the front-mounted cannon to uh, rattle off some rounds downrange at Dusty's position. What's your move, Paul? Uh, okay, so Dusty's first instinct is to start running sideways, 
Um, him and Shockwave like split and run sideways, if that makes sense, and start converging into the maggot's position um, so that it's difficult for the maggot to draw a bead on any which one of them. And I would say that uh, Shockwave has started to open a salvo of cover fire. Um, so they, you know, uh, so what, whatever we're going to call it, um, we'll call it a, a pong play. So like Dusty like pushes Shockwave and he goes, okay, we've got to do this like pong. And Shockwave's like, I hear you. And Dusty opens the first salvo, which uh, draws the attention of the maggot. Then it switches to Shockwave and they do that incrementally as they clo uh, close in on the maggot's position. Uh, hoping that Hit and Run can can get there in time with them. Well, Hit and Run has consolidated his position, and as you all know, the guy does carry two fragmentation grenades on his harness for such occasions. Hell yeah. The maggot is a incredibly susceptible vehicle from <laughs> the top. <laughs> Hit and Run puts both those frags, pins in his mouth, pulls them free... Let the spoons fly off and drops him. Boom. And now also has no teeth. Right into the bucket of the maggot. <laughs> Dusty and Shockwave let out a woohoo uh, with Hit and Run's retort being, well this is for taking my alpine maneuver away from me. The snow serpent is stunned, but he's not out of the fight. Those fragmentation grenades blew up the gunning section of the maggot, the rear section. But the front section, with the drive system and the smaller coaxial weapons, those are unaffected. Uh-oh. So we've got of a situation. that's scumbling around this thing trying to get to the next gun. Is that the situation? Well, it's going to take some quick thinking and some quick action. Do you think Shockwave or Dusty can be on him in time? Yeah, they're running at a good speed. I just, uh, Yeah, they're running. They, they're good. I just don't know. So they climb up onto the maggot and gun down the snow serpent ruthlessly. I don't know, Cooge. You're a Cobra sympathizer. Does that sound right to you? Who's standing mm. by in the wings to avenge their fallen comrades? Yeah, let me paint the picture. You do have uh, you do have Dusty and, and Shockwave working down from that ridge, and you you ever seen sand turn to glass? Well, hot tracer rounds will show you that. But yeah, I think I think the snow serpent falls because his he's got that fur. He can't check his blind spots very well. He's not that quick on his feet here. So, well, who do we have left? Did the did the office did the worms officer did he make it out or no? I think uh, the worms officer was still inside the bunker. Yeah, yeah. With Voltar and the Hydra Viper. I think, uh, all of a sudden, I don't know, I almost, one of the guns. I'm going to leave this I on a cliffhanger. I just want to say the main gun for the Maggot is done, hey? Hmm. Perhaps not uh, mm -hmm. completely destroyed, but certainly the, the firing control systems that are exposed are no longer functional. Oh, okay, cool. You know, anyone arguing on a kind of a technical point might say that, you know, a fragmentation grenade wouldn't exactly destroy the, the the gun itself but certainly the fineries of the equipment that operate the gun would be toast and i'm trying to make sure that the worms doesn't have any kind of cool control panel on him because it would be pretty bad if all of a sudden the maggot springs to life who's, who's got who's got comms on cobra's side who can talk to Voltar, man he's got a big comm backpack all right is he alive in gold <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm going to leave it on a cliffhanger because, quite frankly, I think we're spinning a hell of a tail. You get, <laughs> all of a sudden, the, the, the comms crack to life. I don't know how many Cobra figures you got left, Steven, but you hear Voltar and he's like, the Joes intercepted us. 
here's my coordinates. Bring hell, because you're probably not going to see me alive. And then he just he sends up his bird. Do you th does it feel right leaving it on a cliffhanger? I feel like Mercer and the GHO scuba pack should be playing a role right about now. Mm. Because there is an underground tunnel network. Flooded mm. tunnel, but a tunnel nonetheless. And that is how the bunker is supplied with water. Mercer's made an infiltration into this cobra lair. And now he's staring down the worms, Voltar, the Hydra Viper. What happens next? Uh, I can only imagine that he utters some cobra secret word, like Lale Lule Lo, <laughs> Metal Gear, which takes them off guard a little because they they know the code. That's like a code that like that they use amongst infiltration uh, infiltration specialists. Um, and so he starts to play the double a uh, double agent game. And he buys himself a whole 10 seconds of confusion before he opens opens a salvo on Voltar. Jeez. Okay, guns him down. You know, part of me was hoping you were going to say that uh, Mercer actually kind of turns coat again. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he's done, he's done a stint with the Joes. He's progressed as far as he thinks he can. And now, you know, since he's in it for himself and for self-preservation... He's going to throw his lot in back with Cobra, but sees Voltar and the, the Iron Grenadiers as a kind of a soft uh, option because there would probably be huge um, huge consequences for his betrayal with Cobra. Yeah. So by, by joining Destro and the Iron Grenadiers, he gets to leave G.I. Joe and his intel would no doubt be useful, but he wouldn't <laughs> be shot for being a traitor. Mm. Thank goodness we kept our finger on that page. Uh, let's turn it back real quick. We run into Mercer, the old Mercer, right? Yeah, Beardy version mm. two. So he still utters that secret code word, and one of them is like, "It's an old, it's an old code, but it checks out." <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then take it from there, Cooch. Take this how you will, gentlemen in the audience. Voltar looks at at Mercer and he goes, "Oh, you're with the good guys. Is that what they told you?" Everybody's gone, my friend. It's only us now in this dark tunnel. What do you want to do? Do you want to fight with petty squabbles about culture war? Or would you like to take my hand and help this Hydro Viper back to the ocean where he belongs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, God, it's Flipper. Waltz into the sunset, hand in hand. <laughs> and there's the Hydro <laughs> The uh, Cobra rocket sled converts into an underwater vehicle and they all hop aboard the rocket sled and the, uh, the G.I. Joe scuba pack and by the what time Shockwave is kicking the door down ain't nobody inside but echoes and shadows and a broken glass tube where something awesome who broke happen. this glass? Steven? did you break this? <laughs> must have been man I'm good at one thing kicking down doors and taking names that's two things Kicking down doors and shooting insurgents. You're all out of doors. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, good tale, boys. Good tale. But I have one important question for you. Who wore it best? The COVID-19 mask. Is it A, Snow Serpent, B, the Iron Grenadier, or C, Hydro Viper? Oof. Goodie. I'm going to say, for me to maintain consistency... I'm going to say the Grenadier. Where is it the best? 
because that is a sexy sexy sculpt and i love the face sculpt and hydrophyte becomes a close second to that for me mm, those blowjob lips <laughs> mm. <laughs> i think uh the, the iron grenadier is strong but the paint never worked i think snow serpent because i don't know damn even in the fuchsia edition what what edition is that what is that figure heli viper <laughs> jeez bro still close deep cut yeah um no I, i'll go I'll, I'll go with snow serpent on that one god that was a good figure did you ever have heli viper no but i have seen pictures online it's an interesting yeah. hybrid man well i mean it's it's the snow serpent head but the rest of the body is night viper but the color scheme is some 90s fever dream shit man Cytron. that was Weirdo. yeah that was uh, what what's your favorite genre of music new retro wave synth that yeah. was channeling that shit, I tell you. Synth wave, yeah. Yeah, you can <laughs> put them on the ones and twos. <laughs> 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 well, what's what's next, guys? We got a couple weeks before we chat again. Steven, what are you looking at, buddy? Oh, gosh. Ah, uh, man. I, I don't know. This is fast becoming my life. So I guess I'd really like to get... And th- There's been some vocal demand for it uh and and i've often been warned that vocal doesn't necessarily mean it's the majority it just means that it's the people that that uh the loudest person yeah 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 Yeah. but i I hope there's some mass appeal and hell even if there isn't we're just gonna have fun doing it anyways and i suggest maybe you guys do the same get a bunch of gi joe toys in front of your missus and have them give honest reviews and film that oh. because yeah, because that's cool i think i'm gonna actually do that tonight <laughs> exactly that yeah. i personally am constantly surprised by by kim's opinion on this stuff uh it always catches me off guards because she is so unexposed to it like i find that i can pretty much predict where you guys are going on most things that's not to say you don't surprise me, but you take a complete outsider like Kim or like Camille, whatever her name is. <laughs> Camilla? Oh, so, uh, Celia. Celiac. Celiac. Or Stephanie. Yep, it's all brown in clown town. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from under you it's like whoa i never thought of snake eyes version 4 like that before that's incredible so Mm. expect a video like that to drop in the near i'm also desperately wanting to uh revisit our stuff with scott g who was a guest on the show some weeks back uh and then a few months ago we had his excellent armor 3 gi joe fight for freedom mod showcase we'd love to chop up some new footage and add some new commentary because it seems like there is an appetite for that stuff you know even if there isn't necessarily an appetite for the video game itself people who know us would love to hear us just shoot the breeze about these incredible designs i mean there's no better way to do it than to have the visual aids of gameplay of a beautifully designed his tank going up against mm. an incredibly faithful mauler and the accompanying infantry vehicles uh man the mind races so yeah i need to 
I need to get on it, guys. That's that's my n- n- next couple of moves. How about you guys? Just to confirm some things. I want to do girlfriend reviews of G.I. Joe figures and then a little bit later do girlfriend reviews of G.I. Joe vehicles. Can we do it that way? I was thinking of just getting a random selection in front of Kim because I know she she can tend to be a little bit efficient about these things while mm-hmm. I can talk for an hour and a half on the minutiae of a single figure. Uh, she'd probably be kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel after 30 seconds. So it's a case of like putting an array of things in front of her and she just goes to town. Okay, cool. Okay. No, because one toy that actually came up on Friday was... (laughs) Oh, where are you going with this, bro? Destro's... um, The Moneybox Destro. That one, yeah. No, I just mentioned uh, there's a Destro figure that he's got a little case that opens up and it's got lots of money. And she was like, oh my word, I really want to see that. So I pulled the figure down for her to check it out and I opened the the little money box. Chicks, huh? And she was like, that is so cool that he's got like little like wads of cash. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... All betties, they're all the same, no? They like the cash. Make it rain on them (laughs) hoes. Oh God. Yeah, I'm actually going to totally do that. Uh, I'm going to do the best I can for lighting, though. My word, it's going to be tricky. (laughs) Kujo, talk to me, brother. Well, it depends on how much gas uh, Paul has in the tank after all his uh, work and stuff. I think we're going to try and do a live stream this week of him drawing and me uh, chatting, uh, or, you know, vice versa. Yes. Um, In two weeks... And I've got a nice surprise live stream lined up as well for us, seeing as we've got two extra weeks of uh, lockdown now. So... Well, let me promote that when it does happen. Um, the the black book, the viral edition, will probably drop in two weeks. Uh, you'll learn more about it as it happens. But uh, I think uh, whether it's Stephen or Paul, the deck is getting reshuffled, and people will kind of structure their networks to sustain them, as you should as well. And I think uh, G.I. Joe is a great place to lead the way. I mean, is there a lot of reasons to... to not be hopeful, yes, but uh, just make sure that you, you check on people that, you know, if people's if people's kids are drawing pictures to, you know, make money, help them out. You, what, you want to buy another Todd McFarlane toy? No, help out Joe. I, I don't mean to be that way, but I think that's, yeah, that's, that's how community. people make it. Yeah, that's when you hit a recession, when you hit whatever, you, you got you to gotta build people up around you. I oh I was, on that note yeah. sorry buddy on that yeah, note I, maybe we'll throw it in the links uh, I think they uh, Kerouac or or somebody on Twitter dropped their uh, their mask eighty six comic volume two so check that out I think it's something that he does with uh, some folks and stuff and I think I'm gonna start to read the uh, Cobra the Enemy comic that another Joe community has done for a while so. Maybe you'll hear about that in the timeline. So, uh, yeah, what were you saying, brother? I was going to ask, what is your opinion if I had to play an arcade game, just for the record, on uh, on a live stream? How would you guys feel if I was using a proper arcade stick, uh, knowing that the buttons do make quite a bit of noise? Would that bug you guys? Um, and should I try and do it with a dual screen format so that you see me playing it and have the game running? Because I think I can do that. Well, it depends on what platform. You're talking about YouTube, right? 
Yeah, it will it will be on YouTube because uh, we don't have a following on Twitch yet, um, or on Twitch or Discord that I can just summon up for that kind of thing. But um, the streaming thing that I use, the streaming platform I use, can be put on a phone, and I can try and record off my phone of me playing, like so you see me actually physically playing, and I can make my comments and things on that, and then have the game running in the background, and then have that on its own full screen. So. Do you think people would want the audio of the game more or more of us talking? What do you think would be more interesting? Try it both ways. And if the if the spotlight gets too hot, then you know the other way is the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, bandwidth is still a concern. So that's, that's the other thing I'm trying to be careful of. Um, the alternative is I can just play it with a controller and just have um, the video feed of the game going and talking. So... Yeah, I'm just worried about audio. I don't want clack, 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 clack to irritate people. Because you do a lot of clack, 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 clacking when you play that game. I've become increasingly fastidious about clean audio, which is hilarious mm. considering, oh man, dial the clocks back a few, just a few episodes on this podcast. And, you know, it's just, it's constantly a work in progress because of mm. the, the reliance on Skype and on dodgy mics and bandwidth mm. issues. But... But my point is, if you can get cleaner audio, the better. But anyways, why do our listeners want to hear this debate raging? I think we've uh, we've done what we came here to do, boys. Hopefully we've taken people's minds off the drudgery of this new normal. Guys, rest assured, it will get better. It might have to get a little bit worse before it does. But life will be good again. Life will be forever changed, but forever changed perhaps... For the better. I'm not naive to the hardships some people are going through, a lot of people are going through. Mine pale in comparison to the plight of the people on the tip of the spear, our health workers, first responders, emergency personnel, essential services, people who are raising children and who don't have job security, people who do have job security and yet are swamped with having to now be tutor and au pair and parent, and put bread on the table. You know, everyone is coming under strain to a lesser or greater degree. And so we're all in this together, I guess, is the the trite but true thing to say. Yeah, and to add to that, I'm not going to say this too shall pass, but I will say that this we shall surpass. Well, hey. Cool. I think that's a good note to leave it on, boys. It's been a blast. Thank you. I needed this. Mm. I'm pretty sure you did too. Mm. Cheers. Love hanging out with my boys. So let's give it on the count of three a nice hearty one, two, three. Yo. Out of work, out of work actor, man. I got all the voice in the world now. That's cool. You went high, I went low. <laughs> yo, yo, fast, yo. I be slow. <laughs> Alrighty, you hogs. Bye, guys. Dude, dude.